We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And guys, I'm really excited about this game, where the team is right now, in large part because we got a couple of big dudes that we're facing tonight in Philly. Not only do we have Joel Embiid, but we also have our old friend Andre Drummond coming off of the bench, who may or may not get 20 rebounds in the 14 or 15 minutes he plays tonight, depending on how we rebound. And it speaks to this bigger challenge that the new look Lakers are facing with respect to how do you go small, but deal with big players on the other team. But first things first, Mike, you guys took the train to go from New York to Philly yesterday. How did that go? That must've been quite the experience. I like a train, you know, nice and easy, nice and smooth. It's a short ride. And um, I don't have anything super illuminating to say about it, Pete. You know, I, I like to pull out Google Maps while I'm, while I'm on it and just sort of, you know, look for landmarks here and there. Uh, but I mostly just like to gas up Michael Thompson, who I, I sat behind. And he loves to talk about how, how he could easily fly the plane if anything happened um, while we were above the, because of his obsession with, with airplanes. And <laughs> so I, I basically just spent about 10 minutes trying asking him if he could take over a train and um, my my wife's husband happens to be a, an engineer. Now, I don't know anything Wait, about it. Your wife's husband? Yes. Uh, I, I said that wrong. My sister. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. <laughs> Me. <laughs> I am an engineer. Yes. My sister's, damn it, husband <laughs> happens to be an engineer. And I was going to call him and sort of grill Michael. Now I'm talking too much about this, but that was what I was. Not at uh, all. That, that's what I was doing on the train. Uh, and then I'm reading a book about um, Dutch soccer. So that was that was enjoyable, too. What what, what was Michael's uh, response to the can he be the conductor of the train? What, what do you think it was? Absolutely. Correct. He, yes. He <laughs> thinks he can do anything. And he's and he usually s- correct. Then he said, yeah. Then he yeah. cited a couple of shows that he's watched on one of his weird <laughs> weird channels as to why he would be able to execute it properly i can't recall the last sort of new york philly 
corridor back to back games that would allow for this sort of travel is this the first time since you've been with the team that you've actually taken a train between cities for as part of a road trip there was man there was at least one other time i don't even remember what year at this point but there have been there have been other new york philly or like washington philly or there have been some other connected games like this but we haven't we typically still fly yeah and a lot of that is just because of days off and in you know the easy the ease of leaving the, a game afterwards that you're not going to take the train at like midnight right whereas the, you can kind of have the plane waiting at that point so this did line up better we've been doing a little bit more staying in cities and then leaving the next day at noon we always used to leave the next day at 9 a.m which i particularly hated uh, and I, I don't think the players especially loved it either so that's been one of the main changes in the travel this year well mike they've been talking about i mean this is totally random right but They've been talking about like the NBPA, like the the Players Association and a lot of research around player recovery and that idea of, yeah, maybe staying in the city for the night rather than departing like right after the game or getting up super early in order to fly because players are notoriously unable. And I'm sure you're like this to a certain extent, too. After a game, you're juiced, like all that adrenaline's just pumping and players notoriously do not sleep until you know two three four in the morning after a game and so turning that around and getting up super early is rough and i think that there's been more intentionality around that aspect of travel and player recovery and trying to make sure that the guys get enough rest in anticipation of their next game you know it's true i asked my wife's husband about that and and he said the same thing it's true (laughs) Talk to me about Dwight, guys. Does Dwight have a place in tonight's game? I mean, yeah. What does that look like? Well, it's funny, right? Because the Lakers just inked Stanley Johnson. And so Stanley signed now for the rest of this season. He signed for next season on a team option. Congratulations so, to him. That's yes, great. No, worked his way. Look, congrats to Stanley, right? We could probably do a whole segment just on Stanley. But it's it's funny that... The instant Stanley gets inked, the very next game is against a massive team that then may boot him from the starting spot that he had just taken over for Trevor Ariza the night before. Because in theory, against Embiid, you could start Anthony Davis and be fine. And maybe the Lakers still go that exact route, right? But they could also start Dwight Howard, and they could go a bunch of different directions with this. And it is a Dwight night. I think for all of that, like, oh, well, Dwight's not an every night player. Like I've said this before, Dwight's not an every night player at this point, I don't think. But he's a some nights player. And this is one of those some nights. Because it's not just Embiid. It's 48 minutes of really big dudes. I don't expect Doc Rivers to be like, oh, well, we're going to go small. Maybe if they had that other 6'9 versatile forward from Australia to play some small ball center they could go that route, but they don't. And so they're going to trot out Embiid for 30 plus minutes and Drummond's going to clean, clean up the rest. And Mike, the idea of keeping both of those dudes contained, like keeping Embiid contained is going to be a problem enough. He's one of the top candidates for MVP this season and he's playing amazing basketball. But Drummond, the Lakers have had problems with Drummond 
for years and years and years, keeping him off of the backboards when he played for other teams. It was like that when he played for Detroit. It was like that when he played for the Cavs. And it's going to be like that tonight, I think. And telling LeBron or Carmelo Anthony, like, hey, yeah, you get the backup center minutes tonight. Go keep Andre Drummond off of the backboards, (laughs) right? Play no roller behind coverage as Maxi tries to get downhill or play up on the ball as Seth Curry comes off a pick and roll or a handoff and then recover to box out on Dre Drummond, that's not going to work. Right. And so they need the size in there. And so Mike, what do you think about Dwight tonight? Do you think that whether he starts or not, like he's got to play a role, right? Yeah, no, I, th- I do think that he'll play some. I'm just, I'm now curious that since AD's back is how much do they, like if Dwight isn't Joel Embiid, Right. So he's not going to he's not going to be able to match up with him and like win that matchup. He might be able to stymie him some, but he's not going to hurt him on the other end. So how much do you play a guy that can hurt him on the other end, uh, which would be Anthony Davis or even, you know, again, not that we want LeBron banging with Joel Embiid for a ton of the game, but even LeBron James and in, in having basically saying we're going to play small against you because we think that's the overall better way, even if we're going to hemorrhage some points inside. But your team doesn't have the type of guards that can really hurt us that much. And that's where Philly Philly's having an issue some, right? Um, so Maxie's been pretty good, but it, you know, this isn't somebody that is you're spending a huge amount of time in the scouting report on Curry is out. So like that's, that to me is the interesting balance is how much do we want to kind of deter you a little bit with some size inside versus Pete spread you out with, with no big Island and see if we can survive and get Joel to really be, you know, Hey, Joel, have the ball on the perimeter. Dribble as much as you want. Like, take it in there. That, that's curious to me um, how they approach, and not just tonight, right? But as we now move forward, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a pretty interesting part of the Lakers season coming up. I think. Yeah, it's kind of this balance between what are you good at as a team, and how does that factor into the opponent that you're playing on any individual night. I personally think something like starting Dwight goes against that idea of the team that we are and that it's important that we learn to develop solutions to some of the problems that come with we're not the first team to go small we're not the first team to have to solve these problems that come with when the other team is big Darius that okay we're small how do we handle it well also too Anthony Davis isn't small right LeBron James isn't small and so like Mm -hmm. I know we talk about it Within that context, because in past seasons, the Lakers have been massive. Yes, it's relative to previous seasons, but it's not sm- we're not a small ball team, even relative to l- the rest of the league. No, it's just like, remember when New Orleans had DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis and Cousins went down. I can't remember what injury that was. Maybe it was an ACL, but he yeah, got late, hurt. Late January. Mm-hmm. And he was out for the rest of that season. And, and AD, he was playing great that year. He was. And AD played center. The rest of that season, I don't think around the league there was a sentiment like, oh, small ball revolution in New Orleans. And they didn't have LeBron James next to Anthony Davis playing these two dudes together. You're not small. Like and this is why it's more of a backup question, because I do. I, th- I think you made a great point, Pete, that the idea of, well, they have to start finding solutions for some of these problems. It shouldn't necessarily be a problem with LeBron and AD together in terms Agreed. of playing small. Now, if you started three, six, three dudes next to them, 
then that's a potential problem, right? Like the Lakers had done that in the past. It's like, oh, okay, well, you've got AD and then you've got LeBron. Malik and Avery Bradley. And then it's like Malik and Avery Bradley and Russ, right? Now, that that was never really an issue with LeBron in the lineup. It was issues when they had like, oh, it's Carmelo and it's AD. And now it's like three sort of six, three-ish size guys. But with this group, if they start Stanley or another like-sized guy, then they should be fine. So that that's the key point I was just going to hit on, Darius. If, if Stanley Johnson is your three in that setting or whatever, he and LeBron are three, four, then that's different from swapping out Dwight for, say, Malik Monk, because then you are small. Then you're small. If you're AD, LeBron and like Monk, Bradley and Westbrook, you're at least considerably smaller than you would be um, with Dwight in there or with Stanley Johnson. So Stanley is is to me part of what makes that makes that work better with that big group uh or sorry with the i hate how we keep using big small right it is confusing but with the ad at center group and and that to me is a even more so than ariza so that 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 is kind of a key i think for frank vogel and, and I, i'd love to see that continue to that group get some time I'm right there with you, Mike. I think that he's Stanley's a super important player within that context, which is part of the advocacy we've had for him over the last couple of weeks. Let's take a break. Um, you brought up when LeBron is in the game, Darius. I think that's a really key point for what our solutions are. So in this next segment, we're going to explore some of what we can do with the Embiid's and the Drummonds. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. LeBron is a central figure in this because he is in the conversation for the best scrammer in the world, meaning that if you have an off-ball switch, and this is a whole other conversation of do you switch switch one through four in a game like this versus one through five? I, I do think that there is some ability to do that. I loved Stanley starting out on the ball handler. So if Stanley starts out on Maxi and then there's a ball screen without it – with 
Tobias Harris, let's say, that can help lim- eliminate some of the pick and pop stuff that they can do. There's a whole bunch of different options that that go into that. But LeBron's ability to be physical with fives down low and not give up ground. Now, again, that's not something you want him doing all the time. But you mentioned yesterday, Darius, that Embiid struggles a little bit with double teams. And that's one of the places where we can solve the the big man problem. When small ball teams succeed against one of those true fives, one of the big, you know, big monsters around the league, it's usually because they're able to swarm them effectively. And on a team like Philly, you've got a guy like Matisse Tybel, who offensively you can not ignore, but you can pull attention off of him in a way where it's like, if LeBron guards Tybel, does that put him in a position to be more of a free safety? If you're doubling, say not with LeBron, but off of, uh, but LeBron can roam off of Tybel. Then I think you start getting into places where you're not leaving AD on an island by himself against Embiid, which I think is especially important in this game. It is important. Finding defensive strategies and what's going to work with these specific lineups, I think, is still on Frank Vogel's checklist and not something that is like marked off. This last game against the Nets was the first game that Anthony Davis had ever played a minute with Stanley Johnson. And so it's the first time that any of those groups, it was, I think, Mike, the 24th starting lineup then for the Lakers this season. And that doesn't allow for continuity to be built, especially when the infrastructure of the team from previous seasons was all wiped out too. finding out how these guys actually mesh and what they do do well together and how that formula of balance on the floor defensively, how they can cover for each other and how they can't. That's all stuff that you think you know because of how the skill sets align on paper, but you do not know until they're actually on the court and have to execute together. This is one of the things I point back to about why Bazemore hasn't really worked out. His skill set seems to work out, but in practice, like when it's actually on the court, it hasn't played out that way. There has been too much sort of misalignment within those groups, even when the skill sets do align. And and so can they play Stanley on the ball? What does that look like when he's in pick and rolls? Do they communicate the switches effectively and correctly? And how does it look like when they're scrambling from different alignments, right? Because ideally what you want is you want LeBron and AD in or around the paint in order to scram guys out or protect the basket. That's what you want all of the time. And how they're going to manage that against a team like Philly, where they want you aligned a certain way because Embiid wants to punish you. And then when you do send help, they want to make his reads easier. And then they want to kick out the shooters. Now, player availability is going to play into that, Mike. But if you're Philly, you're looking at yourself and be like, we got the best player in the world. Now, whether or not that's true is open for debate. But they're going to look at Joel Embiid and say, stop us. We got the dude who is killing the entire league. I think in his last five games, he's scored more points than minutes that he's played. Unbelievable. And so five spot. Yeah, that's crazy. He's been a wrecking ball offensively and how the Lakers account for that with or without Dwight, how how Anthony Davis plays against that and just his second game back, how much LeBron plays into that. What does Stanley look like flying around the court as a helper? All of those things, I, I'm I'm just intrigued. I don't have answers to any of this. I just want to watch and see how it goes. Well, so you're you're right that I'm, I'm looking at Embiid's game log, and that's 
Definitely right. And not only that, but Phoenix, I think, has gone Phoenix. Philly has gone 12 and 3 uh, in the last 15. And Embiid's averages about like 35 on 55% from the field and 33% from three. He's not taking a bunch of threes, but the free throw line is where he's really killing. He's going to the free throw line 12 times a game and he's hitting 10 of them. So that's about like 83%. And I don't know that that Dwight is going to be able to stymie that too much, especially with the fouls. And But I do think that a Frank Vogel scheme that's super aggressive and intended, not every, every other team has tried this too, but LeBron and AD are the kind of like two of the guys I think that can, that can accomplish that with Stanley helping and trapping. But even Pete, as I'm saying that, it's like Embiid is on such a heater that I don't think it's quite the same as like what they did, their their trap-heavy scheme that they use on guards and then uh, rotate. They don't have the personnel to do the rotate rotating as much, A. And B, Embiid is just, has been a different type of force. So he does present a different and, a, and kind of a unique challenge uh, with with what we've seen right now. And, and I think we have, to, we have to understand that going into this game. No, that's a great point. There probably isn't another team that's kind of like a diet Philly around the league that's still built around their big man that's going to punish you inside. The closest thing is Jokic, but Jokic Denver, is such yeah. a good passer and he's yeah. such initiates offense from the top of the key. He's a point guard, Darius, right? So it's something that even then that's the closest, but it's really not that close. So, but it represents a unique challenge that... I, I think that the rebounding battle is going to be especially important. Let's take one last break. When we come back, I want to talk about that rebounding battle because that's going to be not only a story in this game, but a story for the rest of the Lakers season. When I go back to watch the games, our first unit when our first unit is bad at rebounding, it's because they're not playing particularly hard normally. They're, they're not flying in from the perimeter. It's not a lack of capability. When our second unit is bad at rebounding, it's because of a lack of capability. We don't have enough athletes. We don't have enough. And mind you, AD is still on that minutes restriction. Uh, we'll see how that goes over the next few games. But as a result of that minutes restriction, we're still getting some mellow at the five minutes that I don't think that we would normally be getting once AD is off of that. But And so that certainly plays into that lack of athleticism, D. But I view Dwight's role on a team like this in in a situation like this, similar to to Mike, in that it's like you're not going to stop Joel Embiid with Dwight Howard. You might get him in foul trouble pretty quickly. I view Dwight's value, and I've been saying this since the preseason, as that like end of first quarter, end of third quarter, that guy for Drummond, that guy to put a body on Drummond to get in that physical battle with him so that we're not giving up, you know, 12, 15 rebounds to him in, you know. 15, 17 minutes, something like that. And so between that and then our sandwich rebounding, we got to get better at that, our long rebounding. Talk to me about just that whole, that whole dynamic. We're a bad rebounding team. If we don't fix this, we are going to lose some very important games as a result of it. And Philly poses some problems on, on that end. No rebounds, no rings, as Pat Riley used, used to say. And it's true. It's Mike, you were there in game seven of 2010, and the Lakers grabbed every rebound. And guess what? They won the game, right? Shout out to Boston. And so <laughs> we talked about this the other day, Pete, but it goes against instincts of some of the players that the Lakers have to be good rebounders. Like Frank Vogel has said repeatedly, like, be the more physical team. Go and hit somebody on, on the other side. Find a body, right? 
box a guy out or knock him off his spot and then everyone go and gang rebound. He's saying it. I know he's teaching this or he's preaching it at least to to his players. And sometimes the saying about old dogs and new tricks is is exactly what's happening. Right. And so if you watch any given big man that the Lakers have or especially like Carmelo Anthony and even LeBron James and Anthony Davis, to a certain extent, they're not box out guys. They don't box anyone out. They track the ball and they go and get it. If it's in area, even better. But this is so what I'm looking for is like, can the guards start to leak down mm-hmm. a little bit more? Because it's We're super important on that. Yeah. Like the guy. So I think I think Reeves does a good job. I think I THT does a good job of like finding a body. Yeah, he boxes out at least. Right. And I think Monk is very good at playing above the rim as like a tip away sandwich guy. He's much better at that in game 45 than he was in game five, for example. And so, okay, we're getting a little bit closer here, right? But it's that hit a guy mentality that needs to change and until it does i don't see this being rectified much like i know that we're looking for solutions here but in some ways these guys have to play against type a little bit right because they're not it's it's like what you said the last pod where it's funny that you would say like oh what the lakers really need at the trade deadline is a a long rebounder is a long (laughs) rebounder right yeah but I think what you're really speaking to is they don't have guys whose instinct it is to do some of the little things that lead to rebounding. And that's Mm -hmm. just what it is. And we could we could say they need to be better at that. And it's just like, yeah, they do. But it's but how? But how? Because in reality, it's instincts. It's, It's nothing more than what are you inclined to do. At on on any given possession and. Like, do you see it differently? I don't see it differently. It's so to me, it's a matter of being less bad at this than it is a matter of being good at this. (laughs) And I think that we leak out a little too much. And so that whole I I mentioned it in the last pod teams, what they're doing. I went to a, a great basketball clinic, a coaching clinic in Vegas where Mark Few was one of the presenters. It was before he was at Gonzaga. Was it Tulsa or something like that? Anyway, Mark Few did a whole hour-long presentation on offensive rebounding versus the transition game. And the it had a great bunch of great detail in it, but the close to it was we fig- he said we figured we give up about 7 points in transition when we go when we send two guys to the offensive glass versus about four that we end up getting uh, four points that we end up getting from putbacks on our average game. And so as a result, he was explaining how they are sending fewer and fewer players to the offensive glass because of that. So two of our ways of kind of beating it, Mike, are either to be more conservative on our end and have our guards instead of Malik Monk read and even Anthony Davis on a switch, you know, contest and then leak out. You drop down and you help down into the paint. And I think tonight's going to be a really uh, important night for us to do that. Or you say, hey, if you can send all those guys to the offensive boards, but if you don't get it, we're going to run on your ass and we're going to run all game long. And that's kind of what our approach was in Brooklyn. I'm curious, just your your overall thoughts from from being there and on the ground, like on, on our rebounding game, what do you see? 
Well, first of all, I love Pat Riley, one of my favorite basketball figures ever. I do think that you could say no blank, no titles for about 15 things. Sure. Amen. Yep. Right? Yep. Yep. So, well, no Mike, stars. Touche, touche, Mike. Mike no but title. he's not a motivational speaker no, for nothing. I mean, yeah, he's does, got does that. it have the alliteration? Does yes. it start with an R? <laughs> yes. No rebounds, well, no rings. It kind of, plus, you know. plus, though, rebounds <laughs> in that kind of context, I think, especially because Pat almost always had stars, or at least to some extent, like it does embody this sort of spirit also about the game like a certain there's you could almost substitute it for effort in a way mm-hmm. you know i mean but you could say the same thing about defense anyway but yeah far be it for me to disagree uh, with the legend the main thing is the main thing man so i just see this as the guy that i think of to to get past my own rebounding philosophy which i don't think is as important here is westbrook and if westbrook's going to be on the court for 35 minutes which he typically is you know this is one of the best guard rebounders ever and so when we were we were thinking about this lineup going into the season, rebounding was not one of the main concerns. And part like at least for me, and part of that was because, oh, well, you add Russ in here and he's going to grab all of these long rebounds and then he's going to burst out himself in transition. So I'm now that we've been discussing it, I want to watch a little bit more closely tonight even and kind of watch Russ and maybe even ask Russ about it and ask Frank about it because I'm I'm curious if it's like he's he's rebounding fine, but it's not solving like he has a guard that's rebounding. It's not helping our bigs that much. And that's part of it that's that's confusing some somewhat to me. So I want to keep an eye on Russ here. The one thing I think that might work in the Lakers favor tonight, Pete, is that, yes, Philly has two massive human beings. Right. And if MB decides to go to the glass, he's going to be a force there. And if Drummond decides to go to the glass, which he will. He's going to be a force there as well. And how you mitigate that is going to be reliant on, A, the guy who's guard guarding him, and B, a second guy sort of as a double-team guy. Like, it's NFL you playoffs weekend, right? It can't be one-on-one. Yes, sir. Yep. Right? And, 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 and so the Rams are going to play this weekend for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Aaron Donald faces a double team pretty much every single snap. And this is the sort of game where it's just like, okay, well, Andre Drummond on the offensive glass is a bit like Aaron Donald. You better put a second guy on him and and really sandwich him to try to keep him off, right? But the flip side of that is the teams that have really hurt the Lakers from an offensive rebounding perspective are the Minnesotas of the world. They're the guys who have athleticism and length and Mm -hmm. bounciness right and when they go to the glass it's just like well we're a bunch of thoroughbreds and we're just going to like go there and go and we're going to be relentless with it if there's a thing that works in the lakers favor against philly is they don't have a lot of athletes this is a great point right now so yeah maxi's a good athlete at point guard but Tobias Harris is not flying Tobias in Harris, for right, chip jams, right? No, Cork Mods. Yeah. Do you guys know where – we probably should talk about this early in the pod. Do you know where Philly ranks in terms of offensive rebounds per game? Where? Last. <laughs> no. And, and so – 30th. No kidding. Mike, dead, but you know what, though? <laughs> dead last. 8.6 per game. So here's the thing, though, is that's in, that's important context, but I'm going to push back a little bit against that now. Because big picture, Doc Rivers was one of the originators of that idea of we're not sending anyone to Get the your class. Ass back, yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Like that was him and Tibbs in Boston. They started that massive front line with Perk and KG and dudes who could go to the glass. And they surrendered that advantage in order to get back and play transition defense and make sure that and set up in the half court where their defense was stifling. Unfortunately, it's not working great for Philly either. They are 29th uh, in opponent fast break points per game. Well, oh, see, both of those stats, very good news for us tonight. Great stuff. Thank you for looking that up. So, again, they play big dudes. Drummond will go to the glass, and he hangs out around the paint a lot. So their bigs are paint-bound. So that means that they are going to be behind the play a lot. Yeah, we got to push the pace on them. And so the idea of them being maybe poor in transition and poor on the offensive glass, a lot of that's going to come down to roster limitations versus philosophy. My question is, is Doc Rivers is also going to be like, hey, you know where they're weak? They're weak in this area. And for a game or two, he may be like, hey, Thibel, like crash from the weak side corner. Yeah, you know, LeBron's going to be paying right? attention somewhere else. Yep. Just because the stats say one one thing with Philly, I'm not inclined to necessarily say, oh, well, we just wasted 35 minutes on a pod talking about offensive rebounding because no. I still think it's going to be, but I still think it's going to be a key tonight. Hopefully Stu puts it up in his three keys before the game because it is going to be important still on how the Lakers manage Drummond. Can they secure the rebounds? And then can they race up the court? Because if they can get ahead of Embiid and Drummond and they can get them into scramble positions, this goes back into the idea of where are the athletes here? Where are the guys who are going to scramble in the open court and track? Because if you're asking Tobias Harris and Korkmaz and Yang to be like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to we're going to track and find Anthony Davis and LeBron James and Russell Westbrook. And we're going to be Even able Stanley to, Johnson. Yep. Right there. That's where the Lakers need to live against a team like this. And that overall ethos of what you were talking about in terms of this matchup specifically, Pete, and what are the Lakers strengths and who are we? If, if you're Frank Vogel mm-hmm. and you're talking to your team and shoot around and pregame, who are we? What are we trying to be? And the whole 47 games to start this season has been kind of an exploration of figuring that out. I'm just thinking, so I think all of these things can be true in a way. So, yes, Philly, Philly's lack of offensive rebounding and transition points given up to me is more about Embiid than anything else, and which is where we kind mm. of start this conversation about rebounding. And then because Embiid is obviously massive, he's basically the biggest dude in the NBA. But... He also doesn't love to, A, hit the offensive glass, or B, sprint back in transition. Like, he likes, Embiid plays like a guard, really, like a lot of the times. Even though he can punish you inside, he's crossing you over, he's stepping back, he's up faking mm-hmm. you to get to the line before his J. Um, like, he's got he, he's got all this craft and all this flash to his game, which is really tough to handle. But he's not a particularly athletic big, in the sense of, a like, a pogo stick, that's going to really just give you a harass you the whole game on the glass and up and down the transition. If it, 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 so it's the way that we talked about the rebounding for the Lakers is super important, not just for this game, but for all games, because they haven't been doing it very well. But like for this specific game, Embiid is a, in some ways a different set of problems um, where while you also have to take care of the rebounding if you're the Lakers. 
So tonight then against Philly, this is an important game to me from the context of continuing to build identity. And who who do you want to be as a team? And how do you leverage that? Will Dwight play? I think he will. Will Stanley Johnson play a lot still? I hope so. And I hope the Lakers do start to build some of that lineup continuity that Frank Vogel has said we want to see. And I hope he does start the same group that he started against the Nets, even though from a typecast standpoint, you couldn't find two different characters that are more different than this version of the Nets that the Lakers just saw and this version of the 76ers. I'm very interested in seeing what the Lakers approach is. Can they carry through with their mentality? And honestly, like, let's get this win. If you're them, man, like this is an important trip. It's go time. Yeah, it really is go time. Yeah, no, this is this is where we're at. Um, Like Mike said, 12 and and three over their last 15. Philly's playing good basketball right now at home. You know, they're always waiting for the Lakers. Mike, we got Charlotte on on the next night of a back to back uh, tomorrow. These are but for us, it's time to hit the ground running. Well, that's in that Charlotte game, though, is another reason why the game against Philly is important, because that's a tough back to back. It's a far distance to cover um, to get there. Not the farthest, but it's far. And, you know, the Hornets are the type of team that you don't want to see in the second night of a back-to-back because they're super energetic. They're flying all over the place. They just scored 150 points. And, but coming in there with a couple of wins since you got Anthony Davis back, I think is different for the, just the whole mindset of that game as opposed to coming off a loss and then having to play that. So, you know, super important game against Philly. Yeah, big game tonight. Uh, everyone's homework assignment is to watch the rebounding versus transition battle, the our defensive rebounding versus our offensive transition. And I'd love to hear in the comments tomorrow uh, once this gets tweeted out, kind of what you guys noticed. Um, all right, we'll be back tomorrow to cover how the game goes. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. Magic fires, it's good, and the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three seconds left, that next to the winner, it's on the way, good! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move. Two. Listen. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.
The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.